HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Okay, this is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers. Today on the show, we're continuing in our Alaska addiction with Allie Barker from Chickaloon Farm. Hello, Allie. Hi, how you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm in the San Juan Islands at the Orchids Food Co-op. It's very beautiful. We just had an ag summit. There were lots of happy people, and everyone was talking about land succession and access and stewardship. And then it rained so much, and the water flowed everywhere, and everybody was wet and happy. How about you? How's things over there? Uh, things are pretty good here at uh, Chugach Farm. Yeah, we're uh, we're just getting the sun back, um, and it's popping out behind the mountain, and uh, getting a few hours in the morning, and three or four hours in the afternoon. So every day we're getting more light and starting to. Uh, plan for the season and and ramp up for things to come. Oh dear, I got the name wrong, and I think I got the name of your farm wrong in the article that I wrote that included you in it. And I guess I'm going to have to go clickety clack back and change it. Will you give a little introduction of yourself and your farm operation? Sure. Uh, so my name's Allie Barker, and uh, I. And my my husband and I run Chugach Farm in Chickaloon, Alaska, in the heart of the Matanuska Valley. We are located between the Talkeetna Mountains and the Chugach Mountains along the Matanuska River. And uh, we're between, uh, we're, we're kind of on an old, old glacier moraines and eskers and, uh, and some fertile land that's pretty rocky, too, but we've created uh, this small-scale organic 
farm homestead over the years uh, that we started in around 2002-03. started growing then, and it has grown and evolved uh, into um, more of uh, now. Now we're selling at the we've been selling at the local farmers market, actually in Anchorage, so almost two hours away, and we've had a CSA, and um, and then we also started up a community supported ferments program, and uh, we do a lot of other things, but that's kind of uh, the gist of it. Well. Um, I came and visited, and it was so amazing, and uh, scarred me for life of what an amazing wild wild and woolly adventure can still be had uh, less than two hours away from the capital of an American city. And um, maybe you can talk about what brought you to this place and um, kind of how you evolved into being a homesteader. Yeah, I think... I mean, there are a lot of things, really, a lot of it for me was, um, I think, growing up at an early age, we we grew a lot of food, and I was really um, interested in that and and, uh, grew up actually in Ohio, and there were a lot of Amish folks around, and... um, and then I I went and studied agriculture in Costa Rica and uh, was studying the feasibility of organic agriculture down there and then ended up working on farms in upstate New York and uh, went to Evergreen State College and s- studied sustainable ag, um, alternative energy, herbal medicine there. And uh, I had always wanted to come to Alaska and... and um, and I think I had more of the kind of independent, self-sufficient um, interest and um, just wanted to buy land and grow food and build. And um, and so we started doing that, and I was mountain guiding at the time, and at, there was just at, at a, a, a kind of a critical point where I wanted to transition and, and grow more food and, and make more of a living doing it. and. And so we just um, started making changes and, and made that happen. Uh, and you guys built your own, well, you built your own everything. Um, when you got on the land, was it raw forest? Like, um, and what did you do first? Because I know you built, well, yeah, what did you build first? Yeah, it's... Um, Sorry, it's kind of hard to hear you. Um, I know. It's because it's a grassroots radio, and they don't have the right equipment, and you just have to invent it. <laughs> we can work with that. Um, yeah, there was nothing here when we bought the land, and, you know, we just wrote letters to landowners, and, and, uh, and you know, I did that for three years, and eventually the woman wrote back and said, uh, hey, sure, I'll sell you that land, and it was uh, raw land. Some of it had been, some trees had been cut uh, maybe a decade before, so there was second growth. But, no, mostly it's a, a spruce and, and birch, uh, cottonwood, cottonwood forest, and so we've built everything for the main part um, with a chainsaw mill and some tools and started building our little 8-by-12 uh, cabin initially, and then 
and we dug a root cellar next to it and, and then rolled it over on top of it. And then we built a pole barn and shed and a root cellar and a seed starting house and a earthship style greenhouse and, and, um, a scribe fit log sauna. And so there's been a, a, a big evolution over time and of, um, different structures and just kind of learning how to do it all. And, um, and, you know, we're all, we're off the grid completely. So everything's run on solar and, uh, um, and that's been interesting and exciting to learn how to, to do all of that um, and run a farm that way over the years. Yeah, I was super impressed and inspired by your greenhouse and all the systems that you had in place there and just the, like, well, how, you know, it was it's DIY and it's very it's very advanced DIY, but also it's, it's um, very original and very beautiful. Will you explain um, some of the design principles that went in and what you did with your greenhouse? Yeah, the greenhouse in particular um, was we actually got um, a partial grant from the Division of Ag for an innovative uh, Alaska grant, and the idea was, um, you know, we do things a lot differently on our farm than a, a lot of other places that we've seen. One, because we're so small and off-grid, um, but uh, we wanted to use less power and um, just build an energy-efficient energy uh, greenhouse space so we we built our structure um, into the earth, so the whole north side is is buried and partially on the east and west and then we have uh the south face is all triple all polycarbonate, and the roof is really insulated and um, and inside we uh we have radiant floor heat that runs off of the wood stove. So when the wood stove is going, water is, is going around the wood stove and into the beds. So it's also helping to heat the beds, and then that mass helps to hold the heat in the structure. Uh, and then we also have... Yeah. 
I would say for the most part, we just figured it out. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of it. You know, I think that it's interesting because when people come here, we do these permaculture tours every year, and and uh, folks are always wanting to come here and check stuff out, and they always say, well, how could I possibly do that? I don't have any of those skills. And and I always say, well, well, we didn't have the skills. I mean, we learned certain things throughout the years, but really it's, it's about talking to people and trying something and it failing or breaking and not working and doing it differently next time or, um, you know, reading manuals to fall asleep at bed at, in, in bed at night and reading Acres magazines and, and you know, YouTube when we did get the Internet and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah, gathering materials and, you know, some of our mottos have been, uh, you know, just to always have more time than money. And so by doing that, we have the space to, to create and to figure things out and, uh, and to problem solve. And that's been really useful for us. And um, I always tell people there's no reason why anyone can't do this. It just takes um, a lot of persistence and hard work and um, time and a desire to, um, yeah, work harder than you could ever imagine, but also have that those rewards um, and and that's really, you know, what it's all about. So let's talk about the working hard and maybe a little bit. Um, when we were there together, you had some economic theory about how how you how you wanted to control your work, your hours, your time, and the role of the marketplace in your life, and the role of the wild. And um, you know, people who aren't having as direct access to the wild, both in terms of profession, like being able to get paid to be in the wild and also to be able to subsist more out of the wild don't have that place that you have. So I felt like that would be something I'd love to hear you reflect on. Yeah, that's a, a good point you bring up. And I think what you're talking about is is uh, it's more of a philosophy kind of for the way that we're doing things here. And that is that Staying small is important to us, and the reason is uh, with anything in life, if you put too much on your plate, you're going to have to start to sacrifice something, and, you know, that's always the challenge. And so for us, it's really important to to balance not only growing food and making a living, um, but also the subsistence aspects, which is why we started what we're doing in the beginning. So to me, if we're too busy to be able to go out and, and dip net and fish in the summertime for our winter food or go moose or caribou hunting in the fall or pick berries all fall and pick our roots and wild plants, then to me we're we're doing something wrong because it's really about that entire balance. And if I'm just growing food and selling it and then would have to go to the grocery store in the winter, that's kind of a failure to me. So for me it's about providing for ourselves and all these different aspects, hunt, fish, gather, grow, everything we need, provide for, you know, our family, people who are working here, and um, and then be able to sell to the restaurants, the market, do our other programs to make enough income to get by. But um, constantly trying to reevaluate, are we doing, are we still getting out and doing those things that we need to do? And it's a struggle. It's, uh, it's challenging to 
you know, get the weeding in and the watering and, you know, with the droughts we've been having in the spring and be able to get out to fish or hunt or whatever that is, but, um, but, but making sure that that all continues to happen. So um, when I was there, I also saw a lot of signs for um, signs about the mining. I wonder if you could reflect on, you know, what's the community like out there in your in your Chickaloon Hills, and um, what is the what's drawing, what is this challenge of this big mining company uh, doing in the town, and how do you relate to that um, from your homestead? Well, it's been a, a real challenge over the years. Um, like any state, you know, Alaska is uh, res- very resource-based, and unfortunately they value um, extractive resource industries um, instead of um, the type that w- we support and, and promote and, um, you know, growing food and, and alternative energy and those sorts of things. And so it's it's been a love-hate relationship. Alaska can be a really tough place, and we've lost a lot of farmer friends because of that because they just want to go somewhere where the networking and the infrastructure is set up and it's a little easier. Um, in Chickaloon in particular, we have a, a mixed community, but it is an older community. We're really the, the younger working folks, and a lot of people here are retired and uh, – um, but our community in general has been against um, against mining, but we're a more low, you know, low middle income community. And I would say most folks here, um, as in most rural parts of Alaska, um, grow a lot of their own food and hunt and fish. And so. Um, you know, in terms of the actual mining, I mean, we're fortunate right now we're not directly fighting the large-scale coal strip mine that they wanted to build here in Chickaloon because, uh, you know, the oil, uh, barrel of oil is pretty low and the, the market is uh, is crashing. But um, And that's been really, actually really good for us um, to be able to reevaluate um, what other how can we have a different vision and what do we want to do with the land around us? Because the Matanuska Valley that we live in, um, currently there's something like 40 or 50,000 acres of land leased uh, for coal leases currently. So it's it's a constant struggle and, you know, um, we're always working on that paradigm shift and, and trying to kind of educate and, and create alternatives that are healthier for everyone. So this um, healthier for everyone is a good start Um, and healthier for you. I mean, I looked around at that homestead and you guys are, you know, pretty friggin' hardcore um, out there. And I wonder, you know, that that is one of the questions that I face in, you know, talking about the young farmers up and down and here and there, and especially in the conversations about land access is, you know, can these young farmers make it over the long term? And, you know, how do their bodies handle it? How do their economics handle it? You know, when so many of our systems, our our economic systems that value labor so low and 
food so low and natural resources in general so low, you know, how do people hack it um, over the long term? Now, you guys started out being, like, stronger than the average bear. Um, how are you guys relating to your endurance and stamina in as you're coming into, this is like year eight or something? No, this is year 12? Yeah, right, something like that. <laughs> um, it's a good question, and I think, you know, it, it's interesting because I think starting all of this and coming out of college, I was just really independent and thought, oh, I can do it all on my own. And, and uh, you know, you, you do it for a while, and then you realize, wow, um, we kind of feel really alone out here doing what we're doing, and we're lacking that community and that support, um, at least to the extent that we'd like to see. And um, I think there's a lot of potential for young farmers uh, or young homesteaders or young creators and visionaries and people in Alaska to do so many amazing things. And uh, we have a really hard time finding them. And uh, I, I don't think that we're very good at at sustaining our energy level. We just we just work all day every day and uh it's ironic that it's supposed to be the simple and sustainable lifestyle because we do ask ourselves that how sustainable is it really? How long how long can you do this? And um I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm surely not not ready to to quit and and I don't think I ever will, but um we do need to find some some alternatives and um, I think some of that is, you know, we we're, we we want to. Sorry, go ahead. Are other? Well, no, I was. You know, we were there together. You were talking about how there's opportunity for other people to come out there too, and that it might be cooler if there were more people. Yeah, I think it would be awesome if there were more people. And you know, I we keep I, I keep thinking, where are these young farmers who are looking for land or a place to do something or create their dreams and see it through? And why don't they come here? And uh, you know, we don't have a ton of land, but man, we've been creative with the land that we have. And there is, uh, you know, if if you're the persistent, uh, determined type who wants to provide for themselves and also create, um, has ideas to be part of a community and wants to work cooperatively. I mean, there's so many opportunities here. And, you know, if I were 20 again, like I was when I came to Alaska, I think that, uh, and I didn't have roots on the ground, I'd build myself a tiny home and I would come park it here and say, hey, here is what I want to do and this is my vision and I want to be part of, you know, Chugach Farm in this way. And I'd say let's network and let's create something and let's build something and, and evolve. Yeah, baby. You know, I... <laughs> I like how you're thinking, and, you know, frankly, having looked at a bunch of different communities of young farmers around the country and uh, explored kind of the dynamics and who got there first, and then their interns came, and then the interns fell in love, and then they started a farm nearby, and then, you know, pretty soon there's a blacksmith shop and a bakery and a coffee roaster, and there's people selling sausages, and, like, the thing kind of grows uh, organically at its own pace based on the humans who bring the skills and the energy 
to develop that local economy. And, you know, you guys, when I met you, I thought immediately, you know, you just are one of those kind of first-er types. Mm. Hmm. And so, anyway, I wish... I wish to help spread the word, and I know that you guys are spreading the word. Um, and I felt definitely like having come back from Alaska. So many people here on the mainland were like, what's the farm scene like in Alaska? What's the farm scene like in Alaska? Like, people want to know and haven't heard. So that feels good. That's yeah, and, and I really do think there's a lot of opportunity, and there's so many. The thing is, is we're all so disconnected from each other up here, so it's easy to feel alone, and it's hard to get to market, and there's so much opportunity for creating community and creating what's necessary in small communities um, and taking the transportation aspect out of it. And, I mean, I could say right now at our market, you know, we need more um, people selling mushrooms and garlic and doing holistic forested livestock. And people could be growing, you know, more, you know, quinoa, oats, amaranth. You know, all we have in Alaska, I mean, 95% of the food in Alaska is, is imported, 95%. So... I mean, it's it's uh, it's incredible, and 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 there was this guy Ken Meter, you know him, who did the um, the report, the, the building food security yep. in Alaska, and and he said if Alaska wanted to ensure that its entire population could eat Alaska grown produce, the state could set aside forty seven hundred acres for all the potatoes that would be needed, two hundred acres for carrots. 200 more acres for cabbage, and 600 acres for lettuce. That's not really a lot. Yeah. You know, what I mentioned, that's way less than what is currently in coal leases that the state's getting $14 an acre for, for right now. So, um, you know, we need, we need more young energy up here people who are persistent and motivated and, and not going to wait around for, you know, subsidies and states to do this and that because Alaska is totally in the hole, you know, being, you know, with a singular vision of making money off of oil, and, and that's kind of failed. So um, it's time to kind of resurrect that vision and create a different future. And um, I think that, that, you know, send those people on up. There's a, there's a lot of opportunity. Well, there's opportunity, there's water, the land is pretty cheap, and there's a lot of wilderness that's full of life. I, I, are, I think that people are likely to, um, I, I think the time is coming. I think the time is coming. I'm sending you a big hug. I wanted to give you a chance to make any announcements that you had uh, about anything that's happening or coming up or your groups that you want to tell people to check out. Um, meanwhile, I'm going to promote the Up Up Farm Film Festival, which is our cooperative film festival. Greenhorns is distributing out all over the world these beautiful films about young farmers and not, and even some that are about intergenerational issues and land access and land drama. Um, beautiful films that don't usually get distribution but are so worth it. You can get your librarian in your town to buy the whole collection and then pass it all around to everyone better than Netflix, better than Amazon, support the cooperative of young farmers. Uh, you got any announcements organized in your brain yet? Yeah, I I wanted to talk a little more about our 
We'll have more information up soon about our community-supported ferments program. We are really into fermented food here, and we, we've been making fermented food for a long time. And so, like the CSA model, we're trying to promote that and share that. And uh, we feel like it's a really good um, option and alternative uh, as, as uh, the, the climate changes. And we can't grow things when we thought we could. Or, you know, we just have um, shifts in, in, in uh, kind of our old normal routine. And so by, create, by, by making fermented food, not only is it healthier and does it sustain us and better for our digestion, but we can store it in the root cellar longer and have it more available um, to help that kind of food security problem. Um, so the fermented food, I'll put a big, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, put that out there. And, and also just uh, another farm that I really like and has been, in, been a big ex- inspiration to us has been Calypso Farm in Esther, Alaska, near Fairbanks. And they have really, um, they've really kind of taken everything to a new level um, in terms of what's happening in Alaska with farm to school and their apprenticeship programs and stuff like that. So I'd check them out. Um, Calypso also, Farm, and they take, I know they take interns too. They do, and but they're actually they've got a farmer training program that they're doing now, which is something that we really need more of in Alaska. Um, is that you know that sort of trade school and and a better system of of passing down that knowledge, um, so people are psyched and wanting to be farmers and wanting to provide for themselves um, in different ways. I know there's also the Alaska Farmland Trust and the Alaska Food Policy Council, the Alaska Marine Resource Council that does awesome work in the community fishery department. I was just blown away eating this salmon that you guys make in your pot, like potted, I guess it's like potted salmon or something, like canned salmon in the glass. Oh, yeah, and yep. And the beautiful blueberries that you fermented in the glass. And, you know, frankly, um, really wanting to encourage young farmers down in the mainland who are running CSAs to partake in the bounty of this beautiful fish from this beautiful landscape. And, you know, you can jigger it so that your customers are buying salmon and then the home team gets to eat salmon for free. I'd say it's worth doing a little bit of email clickety-click and corresponding with some of these fisher people up here, up in Alaska, because it's worth getting it into your tummy. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep, there's a lot of good stuff. We're, we're still really, uh, really fortunate and really lucky to have so much of that at our fingertips. Well, Allie, thank you, and thank you for your inspiration and... Um, and thank everyone for listening and for doing what you're doing, and I hope you're having a happy spring and that your onions are popping up and smiling at you. Yeah, I'll just add, if you want more information, our website is Chugach Farm, C-H-U-G-A-C-H, farm.com, and um, we hope to gain some new followers and friends um, from the interview. Woohoo, followers and friends. Keep it up. Bye-bye, everyone. Okay, thanks, Severin. Thank you.